John Rash and Scott Gillespie are here on the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline from the Star Tribune Editorial Board. We call this Plain Politics. Always a pleasure to both of you. John, I'll start with you, and I'm going to read the last graph from your editorial today talking about the mask mandate. To be clear, we're not arguing for a forever mask mandate. But when U.S. cases have risen 43% over the past 14 days and an average of 425 people are dying every day, a targeted travel mask mandate is eminently reasonable. Tossing aside one of the last remaining pandemic safeguards is reckless. I get that thinking, but isn't it also a legal matter if you accept the judge's ruling, she wasn't making a ruling on does it have merit. In fact, she even raised that. She is saying this was an overreach by the CDC. She indeed is saying that, and that is very germane, of course, to the case. Our editorial and many arguments from health experts say that there has to be a way in which to continue this airline and airport mask mandate because of the particular nature and danger of flying in such cramped quarters and the amount of time it takes when everyone is unmasked, both those who might happen to have COVID, even if they don't know it, and those who are susceptible to it. If people do not have masks, it's a very short time in which they can contract the disease. So, you know, we think that uh, the Biden administration is, you know, of course, taking a wait-and-see attitude in terms of what the CDC says. But if the CDC says that we really do think that this is important, it will be a politically unpopular decision by President Biden and the long string of them regarding the COVID-19 breakout. But certainly they should challenge this and, and to try to keep people safe, which is ultimately the, responsi- the number one responsibility of government. Scott? Uh, editorials never have to match the public. Okay, I understand this. It isn't putting the finger out there and saying, okay, here's where the public is, we'll match up. But part of what has happened here with COVID and with BA2, in particular on the East Coast, the numbers have increased. Our level here in the state has moved up, but it hasn't moved up in ICU. It hasn't moved up in fatalities. But, Scott, it seems like the last couple months – since Omicron started to dwindle, that the country has moved on from masking, that COVID is still in the conversation, but that these protocols that if it's an N95 mask, I 100% believe in it, but a lot of the public who are believers in masks aren't just skeptics and buying into odd theories. Scott, that they've said, we're past it. We're going on with the rest of our lives. I think you're absolutely right. No question that's happened. Been a long two plus years. It's uh, people are waiting for, you know, or, or we're waiting for an opportunity to say it's, it's over. Uh, it's tested our patience as a country, and uh, I think it's about run out. So I understand your point. Definitely. I also understand those who say there's still 400 people a day dying in the U.S. and that for those immunocompromised people, 
who are uh, our neighbors, friends, family members, for those kids who can't get vaccinated, uh, that it's not that big a deal to wear a mask to help protect them, especially in the confines of a uh, of an airplane for a couple of hours. So, um, you know, that was our argument. As, as you read, we, we weren't arguing that uh, the mask mandate should last forever. And in fact, the CDC only had it extended through May 3rd. Um, uh, they could have, you know, once they could have extended extended it beyond that on May 3rd. But, uh, um, you know, I feel like at this point that uh, there much of what you say is true, that people have moved on. So I don't think our, our editorial, if it were put to a vote, would necessarily win an election. Yeah. Okay, let's, uh, let's move to St. Paul. And, Scott, I'll start with you. Governor Walls, visible day, uh, trying to encourage or lecture either way you look at it. Uh, what's happening in St. Paul? And guess what's happening? Nothing is happening in St. Paul. Uh, we're just so used to this now. I, I mean, when did things actually get done? I mean, before, I mean, the Perpich administration, I, I don't know, yeah. he's saying no chance we're going to have a special session. But where are we at with the budget? Where are we at with uh, figuring out the, the, the surplus? Where are we at with the walls checks? Why should anybody believe, Scott, anything is going to be different this year in particular? When everybody's up for election, including Governor Walls himself, I don't think anyone should should presume that uh, there's going to be fast uh, and transparent legislative work here uh, from now until the deadline. It's going to all come at the end again, and we have seen this. It's a pattern that goes way back uh, now, too far, in my opinion and my colleagues' uh, opinions, uh, because. What it leads to is a lot of, uh, first of all, legislation that doesn't get full consideration, then legislation that gets rushed through without good, you know, good amount of public discussion, uh, hearings, uh, the ability for people to, to poke at it, improve it. And, uh, and, you know, I think also a distrust in how the system works and lack of transparency and people question uh, you know, the sausage making that happens in the last week of the session. So, John, we do have an election year and let's 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 deal with the governor's side. The walls checks, which would benefit the governor politically and also for the folks who receive it. I don't think they should uh, have to apologize in any way if they want that money or get that money. Right now, it's not in either bill. It's not in the Senate. It's not in the House. Does Governor Walls still benefit in a notable way in this election if he only brought it up compared to the checks actually are sent out? Maybe in a marginal way, but I think it's superseded by the dynamics discussed by Scott and you in terms of the perception and indeed probably the reality that very little to nothing gets done of a major status in the import in the legislative session. You know, it's hard enough for the legislature uh, with it being controlled by two different parties in the, in both different houses of it in that, you know, when they have to get something done to get something done, it's taken special sessions for multiple years outside of 
unemployment insurance and perhaps the distribution of pay to frontline workers, nothing needs to happen this year. Next year will be the big budget year and and, and many other issues that are on the table. And so I sense, as do I think increasingly many Minnesotans, that the bare minimum will get done. And that's what voters will take into the voting booth. When they consider Governor Walz, they may think about his idea to send out individual checks. But the fact that he didn't get that done, I think, will be a bigger issue than the fact that he wanted to have it as part of his policy and indeed part of his legacy. So I think there might be a lot of um, people going into the election who are really disappointed with the way it's gone in not just this year, but the most recent several years. Playing politics right now with uh, John Rash and Scott Gillespie from the Star Tribune. Let's talk Joe Biden. And the numbers are awful for the president. You may feel like they're unfair. You may feel like they're unjust. Or you may feel like they're not tough enough. But we just were talking about the election coming up uh, in this state, John. Joe Biden, I know they believe the Quinnipiac poll was an outlier, the one that had a 33% approval. But the other ones are upper 30s or maybe low 40s. Even on Ukraine, where a lot of people perceptually have said, well, maybe these sanctions have helped out and it's now about $2.8 billion in aid has been sent over. But the biggest issue by far is still going to the grocery store, going to the gas station, paying your bills. Doesn't look like anybody who's an expert in this area thinks the inflation numbers are going to change anytime soon. What else can Joe Biden do to try to stem the tide on these atrocious numbers? Well, I'll take that one first, Chad. Uh, I don't know. I think that inflation, he has, he doesn't have much, much control over that in the big picture. You know, he's taken some steps to try to relieve gas prices, which don't seem to have really done a lot yet and may not, experts say, do much uh, here in the in the short term. Uh, we can, uh, you know, we can, he can hope that that, that does. At least it, he has the story that he tried to do that. But uh, at this point, you know, Ukraine is could linger. And that, I think people are unsettled by the fact that, you know, it, it's uh, it's full tilt war, and uh, that's not uh, that's not a good political prescription for him. John, are you surprised, in particular, that the Ukraine numbers are as low as they are? I am surprised because that does seem to be the one area where he has taken a very clear stand in and delivered upon. Now, some may argue as um, was reflected in our editorial on Tuesday, former ambassador to Ukraine, John Herbst, thought that, in effect, while the policy was right, it isn't being implemented in enough time to make enough of a difference for the Ukrainian forces. But that being said, the next day after that ran, another $800 million was announced in terms of heavy artillery going to the Ukrainian army. And so, this is the one area where President Biden seems to have the best instincts on, the most ability to lead on, and the most um, ability to affect change on. And I also happen to think it's the most important issue that's out there. Inflation is very stubborn. It'll be hard 
to move, especially before the election. There certainly are some other issues, but this issue is happening right now. And yes, it's about Ukraine and Russia, but it's about the broader fight between authoritarianism and democracy, which is one of the grand themes that President Biden ran on and that he stressed in his administration. So I hope for expedient political purposes, he doesn't take his eye off that challenge to try to overly to try to shore up, um, you know, his domestic numbers when there's actually very little he can do on those at this point. So I think he's focused on the right thing. I think he's doing um, a good job on that. Um, The American public don't seem to think so as much. And perhaps it's their frustration that the price at the grocery store and at the pump uh, continues to spiral upwards. And that's a very real issue versus, you know, one that I think most Americans realize is important, but maybe not as imperative in their individual lives. Gentlemen, as always, appreciate the time. We will uh, talk next week and uh, be well. Thank you, Chad. You as well. Scott and John, Plain Politics with the Star Tribune Editorial Board here on CCO.